So welcome to this episode of Anesthesia on Air, the podcast from the Royal College of Anesthetists. My name is Stephanie Pauling and I'm an anaesthetic registrar at Derriford Hospital in Plymouth. I'm also the Peninsula Deanery Specialty Training Committee trainee representative. And today I am joined by the team behind SNAP3, the Joint Chief Investigators, Professor Ian Moppet and Dr Jude Partridge, and the National Trainee Lead for SNAP3, Claire Swarbrick. So I'm just going to ask them to introduce themselves briefly and tell us a bit more about their um, their job and their role in the study. So um, perhaps we'll start with Professor Moppet. Thanks, Steph. Hi, I'm yes, Ian Moppet. I'm a consultant anesthetist in Nottingham and Professor of Anesthesia there, and I'm the Chief Investigator for SNAP3. Uh, Jude? Yeah, hi, thanks very much. Um, I'm Jude Partridge. I'm a geriatrician from Geyser St Thomas's in London, where I work for the Peripative Medicine for Older People Undergoing Surgery POPS service. And I'm Claire Swarbrick. I'm an anaesthetic registrar based at Exeter, and I'm currently studying for a PhD at the University of Nottingham. Um, I'm the national lead for um, trainees for SNAP3. So welcome, everybody. Um, and we're going to start by asking Claire what SNAP3 is all about. Um, so SNAP3 is the third um, Sprint National Anesthesia project, um, which launches officially on the 21st of March this year. It's looking at frailty, multimobility and delirium in older surgical patients. Um, the SNAP projects have been running since 2014 um, and they're basically just short uh, research projects which are snapshots and they look at topics that are important to both patients and clinicians. The last one was done back in 2017, incidentally five years exactly since our recruitment period. Um, so this project is hoping to be um, the largest UK-based study looking at the epidemiology of frailty, multimobility and delirium in older surgical patients. So we're going to look and see how those three things interact and how they affect the outcomes for patients and how our management of those things affect outcomes following surgery in older surgical patients. Okay, um, and so Claire, can you just briefly outline how SNAP3, the study, will actually run? Um, yes, so we've only got two weeks to go. Um, so the study launches on the 21st of March um, and there are three um, bits to the study. So the main part is the cohort study. So this is the biggest part of the study where we're hoping to recruit around 12,000 patients over the course of five days. Um, so all older surgical patients um, undergoing a surgical procedure um, during our recruitment period. Then there's the organisational survey, which is currently um, underway at the moment, and we're getting some really good um, information from that survey. And then there's the medical registrar survey, which is something a bit different. Um, so this is a survey where we speak with on-call <clears throat> medical um, registrars and geriatrician medicine registrars to try and find out the unplanned workload that is generated um, by acute referrals for older surgical patients. So with the cohort study, um, what we're hoping to do is assess every patient to try and find out about their um, comorbidities and their frailty status using the clinical frailty scale and the reported Edmonton frail scale. Um, and we'll also find out some things about their the patient's um, characteristics and demographics and um, uh, important blood test results. And then once they've been to theatre, we'll get information about the type of anaesthetic that they had, um, their post-op destination, so whether they went to a normal ward or whether or not they went to a critical care setting um, post-operatively. 
Um, if the participants stay in hospital, then we'll be following them up on days three and day seven um, to use the post-operative mobility survey to look for um, post-operative complications um, and obviously with a special focus on delirium because that's a topic that we're really interested in. Um, Delirium is really hard to try and detect in research studies, so we've tried to use a combination of clinical assessments. So on days three and seven, we'll be asking local investigators to use the 4AT um, or the CAM ICU if they're, in, if they're critically unwell to try and clinically detect delirium. And then we'll also use a retrospective notes review approach to look back at the participants' stay up until and including day seven to try and find out if there's been any episodes of delirium that weren't detected on those two days, on days three and day seven. Um, but there is evidence of delirium um, from the notes review. And then the final bit of the cohort study is the outpatient follow-up. So um, it, this, is the, this is the first for SNAP study. So four months after the patients had their operation, we'll either be emailing or telephoning our participants to try and find out what their quality of life is like after surgery, because we know that's a really important marker for patients and that will influence their decision making about whether or not they undergo a surgical procedure. So um, we're sort of balancing a combination of, sort of patient and process related outcomes for SNAP3. Wow. So uh, a really small scale project then. So who can get involved in SNAP, Claire? So the SNAP projects are largely um, uh, made up of local investigators recruited from the anaesthetic trainee population. But we're really keen that this project includes collaboration across lots of different specialities. So um, we've got Jude, who's obviously a geriatrician, and Ian, who's an anaesthetist. So we're hoping to get collaborators in sites, um, both from anaesthetic trainees, speciality doctors, consultants, research nurses, and hopefully geriatrician trainees as well, um, alongside the research teams. Sounds like one of the, the most sort of multidisciplinary, multi-specialty um, SNAP projects that there's been yet. Um, so I just want to go across to Ian now. Why do you think that frailty, multimorbidity and delirium were selected as the topics for SNAP3? Because I remember a few years ago there was a call for ideas for this project and this one was selected out of a multitude of very good ideas. Why do you think that was? That's a good question, Steph. I think it partly relates to, to what Claire said and what you just said. This is uh, the, the, these things intersect across specialties and they affect um, essentially every anaesthetist, every hospital and an awful lot of our patients. And so when the SNAP3 projects are, are chosen or the, the SNAP projects are chosen, the, the idea is that they're things which are relevant across the country and they're relevant to patients, they're relevant to anaesthetists and uh, also relevant to um, to the service that we provide. That's what the Health Service Research Centre uh, is interested in, is how, we pro is how we provide services. So so I think it's that sort of uh, that intersection of interests and the, the population is getting older. And we know that frailty is, beco is becoming more common in the patients that we see, and the importance of getting decision uh, decision making right um, uh, for those people, getting the, being able to share the conversation with those patients about this is what the outcome might be from you from uh, if you choose to have surgery. Perhaps this is what the outcome might be if you choose not to have surgery. Understanding who might be at risk of delirium, which is a really horrible thing to happen uh, to people. So, so I think it's that as I say, it's that intersection of of the specialties working together with geriatricians, you know, it's great we've got Jude on, on, on it as a, you know, an integral part of this team. Uh, so, you know, lots of reasons. 
and hopefully we'll get something out of it. So what, what do you think or what are you hoping will happen as a result of this study? Lot, well, there's lots of answers to that. Uh, I could take, take taking it at the patient level. I think it's getting information for patients about understanding what um, to help provide information for them as they make decisions around surgery. Uh, for some patients, the, the option around surgery isn't, isn't necessarily there, but even, even having the information to understand what's likely to happen to them. We're looking not just at their short-term outcomes, but also at their quality of life later on. And being able to have those discussions saying, you know, uh, this is what we think is likely to happen. So uh, sharing that information, gi giving sort of uh, uh, power to the patients. There's also the benefit to the thesis as a clinician, being able to be take part in that in that decision making. Um, as you know, we are often asked to um, come in on these decisions, perhaps sometimes, perhaps too late sometimes, but to be able to to make um, informed decisions and discussions with patients rather than plucking numbers out of it, out of the thin air, saying, "Oh well, you look." Um, you look a bit frail to me, I think that's really bad. Maybe for some patients, you look a bit frail, here's an objective scoring system, and here's actually what we think your outcome is most likely to be from the particular surgery you're having. Makes for a, you know, a better conversation for the anaesthetist. And then we look at the anaesthetist as a profession, as Claire's talked about, this is a, uh, the SNAP projects happen across the country, lots and lots of training involvement, um, we've got clinicians involved across the country, so it's an opportunity for, for clinicians to get to get sort of, to get in, um, to get involved in research, which is a, for most people, I hope, a fulfilling thing to do. I'm not going to say it's not sometimes a bit tedious and a bit bureaucratic, it is, but hopefully people actually get a bit engaged in research and feel that ownership one of the bits of feedback we get about the SNAP projects and one of the good things about the, the UK um, system that we work in is that everybody can be involved. This is, these are a truly national project, so everybody can get involved. So team anaesthesia across the UK can get involved. And I think that's good. And that's good for trainees. It's good for departments. So I think the anaesthetists can get involved. And then at the risk of hogging the conversation, um, what about the service? The service gets to understand uh, who's presenting, what, what are the likely uh, impacts as the as the public the surgical population gets older where should we would be should we be investing in in services perhaps where don't we need to invest in services there might be really low risk specialties where we where actually we don't need to concentrate so much so i think this so i'm hoping lots and lots of benefits some information involvement of anesthesia in research good information for patients good information for the service i've said enough i always talk too much <laughs> I disagree. I think that um, if if what you're saying is that we're going to be able to provide an evidence base for the conversations that we have with patients before they have surgery, um, that will take a lot of the guesswork out of it and really empower us to um, be having very sensible conversations with older people about surgical um, their surgical journey. So I'd like to move across now to Jude. Um, Jude, your background is obviously as a geriatrician. What's drawn you into perioperative medicine? Um, so, thanks, Steph. Um, I think um, we know, of course, that patients having surgical procedures, the high risk group, do tend to be older patients, and their risk is conferred by the fact that they've obviously got age related physiological issues, they've often got multimorbidity, and they're also often living with geriatric medicine type syndromes, so things that we frequently deal with, so things such as frailty and cognitive problems. And as geriatricians, we traditionally perhaps have been involved right at the end of the pathway. So perhaps when the surgery hasn't gone quite as everybody hoped and the patient may well then be functionally or cognitively more limited than they were before surgery. And when the patient's still sitting on the ward, they've tended to call the geriatrician to possibly take them away and rehabilitate them or discharge them. And I think as a, a specialty, we kind of 
felt for a long time that we would like to be involved right at the start of that pathway. Um, both, as Ian has said, to sort of use the methodology that we use in geriatric medicine called comprehensive geriatric assessment and optimization, not only to feed into risk assessment and then proper shared decision making with patients, but also to try and optimise those patients, so make them a bit better and deal with some of the medical issues and functional issues which we identify, so that hopefully their surgical journey is then less complicated and the outcomes are better. So I think really building on the orthogeriatric experience and the improvement in outcomes for patients following hip fracture, that as geriatricians, we kind of feel that we'd like to be able to offer that same kind of approach to patients, regardless of which kind of surgeon they're under. Okay. Do you think perioperative medicine in the UK is improving? <laughs> um, uh, so yes, I do. Uh, and I think really our awareness of those, um, the high risk group being predominantly older and all the issues that come with it has really over the last 10 years or so started to kind of drive an agenda for change in perioperative medicine. So we see that there are, you know, national reports and policy drivers. So back as far as the, you know, NCPOD report in 2010, publications from the Royal College of Surgeons, and then more recently, things such as the um, Centre for Perioperative Care and British Geriatric Society guideline on um, frailty in the perioperative setting. There's a kind of uh, quite a strong policy push to improve perioperative care, obviously together with the work that the RCOA has done with their perioperative medicine vision. And I think for the older high risk group, we do see in serial surveys that actually POPs type services are now being established in, in um, different hospitals around the country. Um, and showing the same benefits that the, the literature alludes to um, when these services were first described. So I hope that that will improve care. And, and very much as Ian has kind of also said, that, that a kind of move away from silo working to a more patient-centred collaborative pathway um, will definitely um, be a kind of positive move in perioperative medicine for older people nationally. And so move, going on from that, then how do you think SNAP3 will benefit patients in the long term? Um, so, so I hope that by um, us understanding better the kind of frequency of frailty and multimorbidity and how these conditions overlap and understanding more about delirium at scale in our older patient group will help us design those patient centre pathways to suit the needs of this sort of different surgical demographic. And I suppose for the patients that will help in terms of us operating on the right people um, and being able to um, only operate on people in whom we think we can offer benefit, having properly counselled them and allowed them to feed in properly to that process of shared decision making, as we've already said but also making people fitter for surgery through evidence-based approaches like using CGA in the perioperative setting. Um, and then very much as well, looking at the whole pathway. So not just the preoperative bit, but also how we look after patients afterwards on the ward. And I think we hope that the results of SNAP3 coupled with other national programmes, so there's an NHS elect POPs network, which is now in its second cohort, trying to establish POPs services across the country. We hope that the, the learning from SNAP3 will feed into those kinds of networks and allow us to design proper patient-centred pathways. It's a very ambitious project, isn't it? It's really great. So, um, Going on from from the sort of patient centred benefits of SNAP3 then, Claire, what how, what input have you had from patient representatives in designing the study? Um, so patients have been involved in the study since its inception, um, since before I started being involved in the project. 
Um, so there are patient representatives who are involved in the SNAP topic selection process. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to have um, four excellent patient and public involvement um, representatives on our study management group and our study steering group. Um, so they've come to our regular meetings, they have influenced the design of our study um, and they've also been really helpful in making our patient facing documents um, accessible to um, different groups of patients. One of the challenges of SNAP3 is that we need to include those patients who don't have capacity um, because we know that patients who have delirium are more likely to be frail, multimorbid and suffer post-operative delirium. So we need to include those people without capacity. So our PPI representatives have been really helpful in making sure that we've got documents that are suitable both for those patients with capacity, without capacity and um, the patient representatives, the consultees and personal legal representatives that will enable us to bring those patients into SNAP3. I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it, but yeah, the, they're, the, they're the patient group that you particularly want to capture in this study focusing on delirium, isn't it? Yeah. Delirium. So um, if we bring this back then to a sort of getting involved focus, what are the benefits for local investigators and local sites in getting involved in SNAP3? Um, so Ian touched on some of this. I think that this project offers a really excellent opportunity um, to get experience in a really meaningful and well thought out um, piece of research that will benefit patients and hospitals and the National Health Service as a whole. But for individual trainees and um, other local investigators getting involved in SNAP3, we offer collaborative authorship for um, our SNAP3 published papers. Um, for trainees specifically, there's the new anaesthetic curriculum that came out in 2021 and one of the domains of that is um, research and managing data, which can be quite a challenging section of the curriculum to get signed off if you're just on a standard clinical training programme. Um, so SNAP3 will offer lots of opportunity to get elements of that domain um, assessed and um, signed off um, as part of the new curriculum. We've had 104 local investigators uh, signed up to be um, part of the Associate PI scheme, which is an NAHR scheme that recognises um, research experience outside of normal clinical work. So that's a huge benefit to those people. Mm. And then for departments, hopefully they'll see an increased interest amongst their local investigators in what happens to patients once they leave recovery. Um, it's really challenging as a trainee finding the time to actually follow up our patients once they leave recovery and see what actually happens to them. And because SNAP3 involves following up patients on days three and seven after surgery, it'll be an opportunity for local investigators to see what actually happens on the wards, to look at their patients' mobility and see if they have delirium. I think that'll be really interesting for trainees. Yeah. Um, and then sites also, if they would like to have access to their own pseudonymized data for their own local projects, then we can provide that um, back to hospitals as well. So hopefully lots of benefits. Oh, and a certificate, of course. The <laughs> very certificate. Must be a certificate. Very important for the portfolio, <laughs> yes. So if any listeners are interested in getting involved with SNAP3 and potentially getting their hands on a certificate, how do they go about doing this? We would love um, to have more collaborators working across SNAP3. At the moment, we've got 214 sites. If you go to our website, um, the SNAP3 HSRC website, there's a map that shows all of the signed up sites and you can see there um, the name of your local PI so you can get in touch with them that way. 
um, or ask around in your hospital's anaesthetic department, and I'm sure the PI um, will volunteer themselves to you. Each site is set up very differently, but there are opportunities for anaesthetists, geriatricians and research team members during the week of recruitment and the week of follow-up, and then later down the line with retrospective notes reviews and outpatient um, follow-up surveys. So if you're not available during the week of the 21st of March, then you can still get involved. Um, and if you have trouble getting in touch with your local team, then you can always contact snap at rcoa.ac.uk um, and they'll be able to direct you to somebody who will be able to help. That's great, thank you. I think we've come to the end of our time, which is a shame because it's such a far reaching project. I think I've got about 10 or 15 more questions I could direct to each of you. But um, I'd like to thank you all for joining us. So that's um, the Joint Chief Investigators for SNAP3, Ian Moffat um, and Jude Partridge, and the National Trainee Lead for SNAP3, Claire Swarbrick. And thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening to Anesthesia On Air from the Royal College of Anaesthetists. Make sure you don't miss out on the latest episodes by clicking subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a review. It helps others find our podcast. If there is a topic you'd like us to cover or you'd like to feature in the podcast, please email podcast at rcoa.ac.uk. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts, as well as videos, e-learning, webinars, and our programme of events and courses, you can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon. Please note, all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists.